0: Shalom, mishpucha, Shalom, family. Mishpucha is a Hebrew word, and it means family. We're the mishpucha, the family with a Jewish heart, made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people. We're the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile. It's finally come down to form one new man, one new humanity. The emphasis is on new. Getting ready, mishpucha, to blow the grandest shofar, the grandest trumpet in Zion. We want everyone everywhere to hear the good news. We want everyone, everywhere to be red hot for the Messiah. Well, my guest is red hot for the Messiah. My producer came running in one day and said, Sid, I just heard a CD and this young woman, she's a Jewish believer and she sounds like Barbara Streisand. You got to listen to it. So I have uh, Michelle Gold on the telephone and Michelle... Uh, I have to ask you what the rabbis always ask me. Are both of your parents Jewish?
1: Yes, they are. Born and raised in Brooklyn. I'm a little Jewish girl from Brooklyn, darling. <laughs> uh,
0: well, that's too bad if I was a rabbi, and it's but it's great because both of my parents are Jewish, and I get the rabbis upset when I tell them that. Uh, but... Uh, from Brooklyn. You know, Brooklyn's one of my favorite places. I love the Brooklyn accent. And uh, tell me about uh, your religious education. You're both Jewish. Your both parents are Jewish. Um, what, what, were you religious at all? Did, what did they believe about God?
1: Absolutely. My dad is of Russian descent and my mom... Uh, her ancestors are from Poland, and uh, they came together. She was she was a lot less religious than he was, let's say. He was Shomer Shabbos, which uh, I guess means they lit the candles, and they celebrated Shabbat together, that, that Saturday Sabbath time where they would come together and acknowledge that God created the universe. And, you know, my mom uh, wasn't interested in all that stuff as much, um, but she uh, she and him fell in love, and I think they even met at a roller rink somewhere, actually, and uh, yeah, gave birth to me in little old Brooklyn. They They believed that God existed, but that maybe he was very far away. And my dad had some problems with God the Father because, of course, he had heard stories of the Holocaust and just couldn't put his arms around the fact or his brain around the fact that, you know, these people suffered and died and, and where was God? And he, he didn't understand the loving side of God and the sovereignty, um, and how, you know, evil happens and, um, that's, that's man's evil. Um, but he just struggled with that. So I really had a very secular background. However, my parents still put me in yeshiva. They put me in, that's full time Hebrew school for a child and then Hebrew school. I graduated Hebrew school, and um, but because I was so empty inside, um, my mother used to tell me that when I died, I'd go to dust. So because I was so empty inside, I started to feel really, really down in my spirit. Even at eight years old, I cannot believe that an eight-year-old has the capacity to even get depressed, um, but they do, and 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 it was amazing how music was God for us, Sid, we uh, my mother sings like Ethel Merman. My father huh. like Tony Bennett. My brother sounds like the lead singer of Metallica, actually. And uh, we used to sit around the piano and sing all these great songs. But, but, and- but
0: your mother had some serious problems. She was, uh, we call it today, bipolar. It used to be called manic-depressive. Uh, how did that play out in your life?
1: Oh, yes. I uh, thank you for asking that. My, You know, my mother had struggled with manic depression, bipolar disease, uh, chemical imbalance for those. You know, maybe you don't know it. You probably definitely know this, but she couldn't control her behavior. So when she was angry, she would actually, she claimed later on that she would see red. And... um she would get upset about anything, even if you, were, if you left her out of a conversation. Uh, if I took her to the, if we, she took me to Toys R Us and I couldn't decide on a certain toy, she would see red and her hands would start to shake in front of her, almost like a monster.
0: Uh, how, how do you handle this as a young child? What effect did it have on you?
1: it was traumatic. It was traumatic. I think what was most traumatic is that she would kind of wrestle me to the ground and in her anger, but then she would hug me at the same moment and say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Because she would kind of like come to consciousness and she was madly in love with me. I was like everything to her and she never wanted to hurt me. Um, So it was traumatic and it was confusing. I tried to be God. I tried to keep her together and keep her calm and my friends would come over, and she would be angry and maybe throw something, and I have to kind of protect my friends and apologize for her. She only had like one or two really great friends that understood the illness that stuck by her. And um,
0: now, now, when you were eight, uh, you uh, actually—life was so difficult for this eight-year-old that you attempted suicide, and uh, you actually heard God speak— uh, tell me about that.
1: Yeah, between uh, hearing my parents fight, because I think it was tough for my dad. He was an overworked yeah, school teacher, one of the best, but he was definitely overworked. And my brother was next door with the heavy metal music, kind of getting high. And um, at eight years old, I just felt the tension of my parents arguing. And I saw, I had a heart like like no other eight-year-old. I could feel the pain that God would feel in the world, I guess. Um, and I just looked out the window and I said, God, whoever you are, wherever you are, I just want to die. I just want to die.
0: And did he respond?
1: Yes. I. Uh, it's so funny. I was in my bedroom. I had this beautiful green canopy with curtains and a beautiful mirror and pictures of Madonna on the wall. I thought, <laughs> I thought if I could just become famous, maybe I'll be happy one day and all this will go away. But I looked in the mirror and... I kind of looked around the room for the voice of God, and he spoke to my heart. I knew it couldn't have been my words, because an 8-year-old doesn't think thoughts like this. And the, and the thoughts that came into my head were, Michelle Gold, you cannot die. I have a plan and a purpose for your life. You're going you're gonna to write songs, and you're going to sing, and those songs are going to bring healing to the world.
0: You know, it's almost like the devil knows there's a a future for certain people, and he tries to sabotage them before they even get started. In addition to the fighting between your parents and your mother's uh, emotional, mental-type problems, uh, and you being verbally abused, you were physically abused, sexually abused uh, as a young child. How did you survive, Michelle? (laughs)
1: I sought happiness through relationships with boys and, uh, you know, degraded my body, degraded myself and um, seemed to find pornography and different things uh, around in in my friendships and people's houses. And um, it's funny, it wasn't even where my heart was at. I kind of lived a double life. My teachers at school, they treated me like an angel and they saw the angel in me. Uh, But I had this double life because I was so empty and confused and traumatized that I was looking for love and I was looking for power. I was looking for healing but I couldn't find it.
0: And so at, at 15, uh you're going you're going to do some uh some singing and you go to a studio that's uh, run by your cousin and uh you, you go for a walk on the beach with him, but uh you got something you'd never expected. What happened?
1: Yeah. Well, first I went to Israel at 15 to kind of try hmm. to find God and instead i just found emptiness i found some nice dinner conversation that's about it and uh in fact i was even date raped while i was in israel can you believe that it could happen anywhere but uh
0: how old were you
1: i was 15 years old actually
0: oh, that is hard and, to uh,
1: you know it was just upsetting your baby <laughs> i know god is merciful because i was not conscious for most of that i was actually drugged Uh, Someone had drugged me, and and God is merciful. I'll tell you that much uh, without going into too much detail. But I will tell you that I've come out way stronger than i would ever been in my whole life. And, uh, man, sometimes I feel like I just punch the devil in the nose. It's like, you know, because of what I've been through. And here I was, 15 years old. Now I went to Florida, to Miami Beach, thinking I'll just become the next Madonna, and that'll handle it all. I'll just be powerful. And power will fulfill that need in me, you know?
0: But tell me what happened when you're walking on the beach with your cousin.
1: Yeah, it was so funny. He looked like Yeshua. I mean, the pictures I had seen on the wall, you know, as a Jew, I'm like thinking, I always saw pictures of, you know, Jesus being portrayed with long brown hair and blue, you know, it's funny, even my cousin's Jewish and he looked just like that picture. And we were recording. I didn't know he was saved. He had a walk with Yeshua. He believes in him as his Messiah. My uncle told him about Yeshua and my uncle was disowned by the entire family. We were not allowed to talk to Uncle Ed. It, it was just so interesting. And Steve and I took a break, and we took a walk along Miami Beach, and he goes, you know, Michelle, did you know Jesus is the Jewish Messiah, and all the first believers were Jewish? And Matthew, Mark, and probably Luke and John were Jewish, and it's the most Jewish thing you could do is believe in your Messiah, that you'd be completed forever, and he could be the, you know, the, the father that you always want and everything you always need. And, and I was like, yeah, then why don't us Jews believe in him? I believe in him right now. receive him right now.
0: How how could you do it so quickly? How did you do that, Michelle?
1: <laughs> you know, I believe that seeds were planted in my life from when I was very young. I can look back. I remember seeing a vision of Yeshua in the sky, in the clouds, laying in the back seat of my car, going to a trip to, a, I believe it was some Jewish camp upstate New York. And I remember, you know, like at about eight or ten years old, looking up and seeing a vision of Yeshua on a like in in the sky. You know, I know it sounds insane, but I saw him sitting on a swing, and just like, like just like a beautiful Abba, a beautiful Daddy, just waiting for me. And I also had a girl at camp that used to sit with me on the rocks outside of camp, underneath the beautiful trees, and tell me, "Do you know that Jesus is a Messiah and He's coming back one day?" And she freaked me out with all these stories about the rapture. I had no idea what she was talking about, but I, said, I love.
0: So, Michelle, uh, you you immediately—it's right. You accept Yeshua. You go home. You keep it hidden for a little while, but then you tell your parents what happened.
1: Wake a vault! Wake a vault! Oh my goodness! So my parents—they uh, actually tried to disown me when they found out that I believed in Yeshua. I was—I was pretty shocked because my mom is extremely liberal. And uh, always told me that she'd be behind me no matter what. And I think she was kind of wanting to be cool with it because she saw the change in me. But my dad immediately disowned me. Uh, um, I was able to live in my house, but there was no connection any longer with my dad and I. I was completely emotionally cut off. I had family members calling, telling me they were going to grieve for me as if I were dead. And my dad sent me to a deprogrammer. Um, with the Lubavitcher Hasidim in uh, in Brooklyn to see if he could change my mind.
0: Oh, okay. Was he successful? What did he say to you? And, you know, these deprogrammers, uh, they're some professionals. They spend their whole life studying how to prove Jesus is not the Messiah, just in case a Michelle comes along. So uh, what'd they say to you? I'm curious.
1: So my dad sent me to a deprogrammer, Uh, Thinking, you know, maybe I was brainwashed, you know, and the programmer was um, a rabbi in the Lubavitch community. Um, And actually, it didn't. Part of it didn't work because it was the rabbi first tried to set me up with a good-looking guy, and I ended up bringing the guy to Yeshua actually and (laughs) getting him to agree. But then the rabbi sat me in his room, and he's like, "Michelle, if Yeshua was the Messiah, I don't you think I would know? I'm a rabbi. I've got all these books here." And I said to him, no, I don't think you would know, because these books are not going to tell you you need to read the New Covenant. You, need to. you know,
0: that must be a common uh, argument by these rabbis, because my rabbi said, Sid, you see all these books behind me? When you've read them all, then you can tell me Jesus is the Messiah. Uh, so I had the same thing. <laughs> okay, the rabbi got nowhere with you. But because of the Lubavitcher movement, and they try to to win Jewish people by doing nice things, and uh, a, a a woman from that organization, she was beautiful. Uh, she did have an effect on you. What happened?
1: Absolutely. At that point, I met this this beautiful uh, woman at the Lubavitcher group, and as you know, they're very very charismatic people. And she talked me out of my faith somehow by telling me that if Yeshua was really the Messiah, that peace would have come to the entire earth. Well, at that point, I wasn't grounded enough in my faith to know that, well, Yeshua had to come to atone for our sins first. So I believed her, unfortunately. That was right around Yom Kippur. I spent the next day repenting for believing in them, maybe believing the wrong thing, and repenting. I just wanted to please God, and if Yeshua was the Messiah, I wanted to know, but I was so confused, so I repented, and I threw the bread into the water um, as a symbol of, of leaving my sins before the Lord.
0: And and you you, you tried the Baha'i faith, you, you're, you're, you're still searching, but then you win the... Lena Horn scholarship and you go to the prestigious Manhattan School of Music you're 17 you 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 move out of your home you start relationships and you uh, you forgot everything about Jesus about about uh, knowing God anything about God you're focusing on on your singing, and as a matter of fact, I want them to hear a little bit of your singing. Uh, tell me what the song Shalom is about.
1: Well, when I wrote Shalom, it was right after 9-11, actually, when the Twin Towers fell in New York City, and uh, I was living in Nashville, Tennessee, soon after that, and had been missing the fire of God that I had once had so strongly, because it's so peaceful there in Nashville. And I cried out to the Lord, Lord, bring my passion back. Let not disaster have to strike again before I care enough to pray and intercede for your people, your Jewish people. And that song was birthed out of that prayer.
0: Let's hear a selection from that.
2: How can
0: I'm going to take this opportunity to release to you something we're so excited about. It's called It's Supernatural Season 1 DVD Box Set. It's 10 individual DVDs that have 50 of our best high-definition television shows, 29 hours. We have our special behind-the-scenes mentoring, uh, which that alone— would be worth it. And then even some of my Ask Sid questions where uh, you ask me questions and I give you answers about the supernatural, we're making that available. It it would normally, on a retail level, it would cost $1,000. We're making the entire program, and it's in a beautiful box Uh, with the 10 DVDs, and, you know, it it would make the most wonderful Hanukkah or Christmas gift or just a gift for someone's birthday. It would really make a difference in their life. Uh, So rather than charging, of course, the retail price of $1,000, we're making it available at a cost of $99. But if you want a second one, We'll make the second one available for $49. And for everyone that orders, we'll bonus the CD that you just listened to with Michelle Gold. Uh, And remember, she's singing about Esther, Michelle Gold. And Esther said, who knows if you've not been called to the kingdom for such a time as this. This is the time. It's a new season in Israel. uh, It's—I'm still blown away with 525 Jewish people standing up in Jerusalem and making professions of faith for my last trip to Israel. Uh, This has never happened in modern-day Israel's history. So anything beyond that amount that you can add will be poured into Jewish ministry. And then when we come back, I'm going to talk to Michelle because her God is her voice. She's going to— this uh, very prestigious voice school, and she's on her way, and all of a sudden, she loses her voice. <laughs> Be right back. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697. 447 2697 Sid Roth here with Michelle Gold. And Michelle, uh, I mean, everything is going your way. You're ready to be a top star. And tragedy strikes. You lose your voice. What happened?
1: Oh, my gosh. I was at Manhattan School of Music studying opera. And my I, I was in this singing group, actually, and a band that played bar mitzvahs and weddings And it seemed like I was on top of the world, making some good money, too, to support my college career. And my voice just completely disappeared. It was down to a whisper. I was brought into the principal's office and ashamed, asked to uh, remove myself from the school for an entire semester and undergo voice therapy. Now, they thought it was a nodule, so I started spending thousands of dollars on voice therapy, which is supposed to remove it. And uh, between that time that that was happening, also lost a uh, friendship with a boy that I had thought I was in love with and thought, this is horrible. I'm losing my, my relationships with my friends and my voice. And, and I'm realizing my voice is like a god to me. This is very unhealthy and dysfunctional.
0: <sighs> Michelle loses her voice. She loses her god. Her god was her voice. Uh, she's doing these vocal lessons. Uh, exercises. It's not helping one bit. So she got into a 12-step program for people with a, an abusive background. What happened?
1: So my voice was completely gone and I was completely down and, and again thought of taking my life out of my hands. So no purpose for my plan except that maybe I turned to God and so I found myself going to a 12-step program called Al-Anon, um, and at, at that program, one of the steps is to find your higher power, find out who He is, and it's clear that the answer to all of your loneliness and your emptiness, and, and the answer to your purpose in life, is finding your God, and I thought, that's it, that's what I've been trying to do all this time, let me, maybe it's Yeshua, and so I uh, I decided to read for myself for myself, and go get a New Testament again. Um, I think I found my New Testament, actually. It was in my dirty garage somewhere, hidden um, under the, the tool bench. My father had hidden it, and said I and actually found the Bible and started reading for myself where Yeshua said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and it was so clear to me i ended up in this italian pentecostal church in brooklyn new york and
0: the next time you go to that church because you like this youth pastor joe uh ah! you i i know about that uh and and the next time you go you find out about being baptized in the holy spirit what was that like for you
1: wow well yeah i um at this one particular meeting This woman was praying in her prayer language, and I began to shake and quiver. It was the most beautiful experience of a lifetime. I was completely healed in a moment of all impurity. Sid, it was amazing. Nothing I had ever felt in my entire life. With all the music that might have given me goosebumps, there was nothing like it. I began to get the interpretation of exactly what she was saying, and it was all about God healing me at that moment from my need to fill myself up with anything but Him. And He was going to satisfy me, and, you know, like the Bible says in Psalm 145, that He shall open His hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. I was completely healed on the spot of all of that pain and shame. It was beautiful.
0: But... The best part is they finally figure out what's wrong with you, that, uh, why you've lost your voice, because from what you told me, it's, it started deteriorating uh, at a young age and just gradually to the point where you lost your voice, uh, they found out that you had a cyst. Uh, and i'm reminded of julie andrews same type of thing happened to her she was never able to uh, to sing and she didn't speak correctly again Uh, when she had some she she just had me the
1: scripture about the woman who had the issue of blood and years and years she waited for a healing i was waiting for that healing I really was Um, i bumped into joy williams on the elevator at a gospel music convention actually and I had one minute to talk to her from floor five to floor one, and I said, "Joy, what should I do? I'm losing my voice." And and, and she goes, "You got to go to Dr. Cleveland, or you got to go, you got to go to uh, uh, the Nashville Clinic at Vanderbilt. They're going to help you." And and that was it. She got off, and I went, and they actually um, found out I was misdiagnosed—that it was not a nodule that could be healed with therapy; that it was actually a cyst that needed to be removed immediately.
0: Okay, they removed the cyst, but is there any danger with this surgery?
1: Oh, my gosh. They're like, you know, people have lost their voice completely from this surgery. There is no guarantee. In fact, I went to the studio the day before with a friend of mine. I said, let me just sing a couple of licks because this could be it. This could be the end of my voice forever. And I remember singing in that studio like maybe it was the last time that I was ever going to sing. My dad even used to warn me. He's like, Michelle, your voice is so hoarse all the time. You're never going to sing on Broadway. You're never going to sing on tour. How are you going to do it? Even though he loved me and he believed in me, he just didn't want me to get my
0: hopes up. Okay. You're you're on fire for the Lord. You're spirit-filled. You're telling everyone that breathes about Yeshua. Uh, You have this surgery. Oh, my gosh. And uh, what happened? You found out that God performed a miracle. Not only was it successful, but what happened to your voice?
1: Well, I forgot to tell you that before every concert, before that, people used to gather around me in the, like, you know, like 50 people and pray my voice would come back for a concert to be able to sing and minister. And then after I got off the platform, it would be completely gone. (laughs) So after the surgery... It completely got eight notes higher. My voice therapist, an Israeli woman, beautiful woman, she she was startled, she was amazed, she was stunned. She said, "Michelle, I've never seen this. We're not going to do voice therapy. We're going to do singing lessons. Get your songs out." And I start getting out my songs, and I get out "You Were There," which is from my previous album, and and she's saying, "Michelle, Jesus was not there at the beginning. He was not there." And I'm like, "Yes, he was," you know. <laughs> And uh, I started telling her about Yeshua and the lessons. It was great. We didn't have to do any voice therapy at all. I was completely healed.
0: Well, I want to hear that range right now. Tell me about the song, Dying to be Heard.
1: Oh, yeah. Dying to be Heard is about the lost and the dying in society. My my friend, uh, Elise Merritt, our parents met in the pool complaining about us, that we both believed in Jesus. Our, they're Jewish girls. And we both lived halfway across the United States from each other. But they, they were complaining about us, and they got us connected, and we became best friends over email. And we wrote this song together for her film. She is uh, she makes beautiful messianic films for the Lord. And um, we were able to write this song about the lost people in the Holocaust and the lost, uh, the unborn, believe it or not, and the autistic, the, the unloved and uncared for society to give them a voice. So that's what this is about. And, you know, for me personally, Sid, I was so dying to be heard before I found Yeshua. I am no longer dying to be heard. The Lord died for me, he, you know, and I have never felt so heard in my whole life.
0: Let's hear Dying to be Heard. There
2: you lie, holding me. I wait so silently. I hope and pray you know each day what your love will mean to me. If you could hear me now, you'd believe My heart cries out each time you breathe
0: That was Michelle Gold from her CD called Who Will Go? And I've been telling you that this is a very, very special broadcast. We are making available the It's Supernatural Season 1 DVD box set. It's 10 DVDs, 50 of our best television shows in high definition. 29 hours. You're even going to get our mentoring sessions where the guests talk behind the scenes of how they understand the gifts of the Spirit and how to operate in them. And I can picture you getting this DVD set and giving it as a gift. You better get one for yourself. But I can see you giving this as a gift to people We're making it available. It would cost you $1,000 if you paid the retail price. We're going to Make the entire set available for ninety nine dollars, and for everyone that gets a set at ninety nine, will allow you to buy a second for forty nine dollars. Uh, and in addition, everyone that orders will send a bonus CD from Michelle Gold's album "Who Will Go." And when we come back, uh, Michelle has a passion, as I do as God does, for reaching Jewish people with the gospel. And I want you to capture God's heart for the Jew in Israel, because if you can capture his heart, you'll capture his favor. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697, 447 2697 Sid Roth here with Michelle Gold, and Michelle, I'm still thinking about the miracle that happened when you had the surgery uh, that uh, many people would never be able to sing or talk again after a surgery like that. It not only was successful, but what happened to your voice?
1: The amazing thing is that after my dad was all worried about me, would I ever be able to sing, would I ever be able to sing every night, we... uh, First of all, Joe and I got married. He uh, he mentored me in my faith as a Jewish believer. Even though he was in the church, he was a kosher-hearted Gentile. Uh,
0: this was the youth pastor that you met when you first went to the church. Go ahead.
1: Yes, and uh, Joe and I fell in love with each other. That's a whole other story in itself. But, but the miracle was I went on a tour after that singing like six nights a week. It was amazing. I mean... I, that's unheard of. After I spent 13 years, I was, I could lose my voice on a cough prior to that. You know, I went from losing my voice on one conversation to being able to sing every night and two on Sunday.
0: And, and you told me how many uh, notes higher you could sing.
1: I would say at least eight notes higher, if not 12. It was amazing. My voice therapist was in shock. She was amazed.
0: Okay, you, you join uh, Jews for Jesus, and you go on tour with them. Tell me about that.
1: So after the Lord healed my voice, miracle of miracles, <laughs> I get invited to go on a tour with Jews for Jesus' traveling music group called Liberated Wailing Wall, and I'm thinking this would be great because I could use everything God's done for me and use my voice, and I was able to sing every night on that tour. And two times on Sunday, it was pretty miraculous. Um, It was just amazing how hundreds of people came to the Lord through that tour. Every night when we sang, we would do an altar call, and people would rededicate their hearts to the Lord. Even one-night pastors were saved at this one event. We uh, shared the gospel on college campuses, it was amazing to see what the Lord could do when I was weak in the past, and now the Lord restored everything to me, and I was able to be strong. And-
0: now, now, did you actually go out on the streets with Jews for Jesus and uh, witness?
1: Yes, I did. We were required, you know, that was one of the beautiful requirements of the tour, that they didn't want us to uh, be so focused on the business of music, they wanted us to know that it's a ministry, that we love people, that we want to serve people and bring salvation. And so part of that training was go out on the streets, share it through, you know, share it through talking to people and interviewing people. And we always had to ask people, what do you, who do you think Jesus is?
0: All right, tell me one experience on the streets.
1: Gosh, the best experience I had on the streets was at a college campus singing about the Lord and people coming up to me one by one, just just staring at me, wanting, and then asking me about the Lord immediately after singing. And these people never would have talked to me if I hadn't been standing there making a fool of myself, singing in the middle of the sidewalk on the college campus.
0: Okay, tell me about the vision God has put in your heart, the urgency to reach Jewish people.
1: Now, over the years, I... Um, when I first started singing for the Lord, it was a contemporary Christian kind of sound, and I just thought, I'll just, I'm not going to talk to my own people about the Lord, because <laughs> frankly, Sid, it was so hard for me to be rejected, and I didn't like not being liked, but when I shared my faith with Jewish people, sometimes they would turn from me, and, and I would lose that, the you know, the friendship. But, you know, the Lord started convicting me that sharing the good news is way more important than keeping a friendship intact. It's like, what good is it if I become their friends and then they don't know about heaven and they don't know about a better place? What if today's their last day? They need to know heaven's real. Forget everything else. But the Lord convicted me that um, I had to share my faith with Jewish people one day when I was sitting down for dinner with some friends. And they said, well, why do you need to go to the Jewish people? So what? Can't you just share your faith with anybody? Everybody needs to hear the good news. You know, Jesus came for everyone and i was thinking maybe i don't know and i got up and i started to talk to the lord about it and he gave me a um, he spoke to my heart very clearly and god said if you don't reach my jewish people who else will who else will go and i said but lord why are we the chosen people are we so special why do we why are we so chosen and the lord spoke to my heart you have to reach the chosen people because we are the forgotten people, not forgotten by God, but forgotten by man. Nobody wants to reach the Jewish people. And, uh, it was then and there I knew that I have to go. And it was confirmed with the scripture of Isaiah six, where, um, he's told, you know, he says to God, here I am, send me, you know, and, and also Romans 10:14. I love that scripture where it says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe? And how can they believe if they never heard about him? And how can they hear unless someone tells them? And how can anyone go without being sent? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So I knew, Sid, I had to go. I had to be the one to share my faith. And I then wrote a, a beautiful album's worth of music where I could share my faith in a way that Jewish people would understand where I'm coming from.
0: Tell me about the song "Who Will Go."
1: Well, that's just it. I just realized I've got to share my faith with my own people. There's just no excuse. Time's running out. I don't know if this is going to be my last day. Sure, I'm thirty-eight, but I don't know. And and what about what about my friends? What about my my father and the people in my life that need the Lord? This this can't be it. This earth is not it. There's more than this there's so much more. Uh, There's another place where there'll be no more tears and and no more pain. I want them to go with them. I want to go with them to that place one day. I want to share my faith and um, I constantly praise it every day. Lord, fill me with urgency. Fill me with urgency. Let not disaster strike before I have an urgency to reach my people They need to hear the good news, and the church needs to know about their Jewish roots. So little Jewish girls like me who walk in will know the Jewish Messiah that they need to know, and there will be revival in the land. So I am hoping that if you're listening today, you're catching my contagious compassion, my contagious passion for sharing my faith and sharing the hope
0: I have. Michelle Gold, Who Will Go?
2: Not me, then who would be leading watchmen on his walls? And if I
0: Michelle, I've been in Jewish ministry for over 40 years, and I can tell you I know what it's like when there's a move of God's Spirit on Jewish people, and I know what it's like when there's not a move of God's Spirit on Jewish people. When I first got saved in the early 70s, There was an amazing move on Jewish people, and many of the leaders today in the movement came to the Lord. But since that time, outside of the Russian Jews, there has been no real big openness among Jewish people. But things have changed. We are hitting a major move and outpouring of God's spirit in Israel and as I said that God just told me someone's neck and back was just healed in Jesus name and someone's muscles and their their arm their the pain in your muscles you don't have it anymore in Jesus name and what I have found is the combination of the set time to favor Zion that's where we are right now plus Understanding the supernatural, you see. When I spoke uh, 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 almost a month ago uh, in Jerusalem, we had five hundred and fifty unsaved Jewish people, and they did not know I was going to talk about Jesus. They knew they were coming for a lecture on the supernatural. And the minute I started speaking, there was a swoosh of the Holy Spirit, and many of them got instantly healed. They stood up, testified to the fact that they were physically healed, and then listened to a full presentation of the gospel. The Bible says the Jew requires a sign. The Jew requires a miracle, and that's why so many Jewish people are being swept into the New Age, being swept into the uh, the occult, because no one's telling my people about Jesus. I am all in favor of uh, having rallies for Israel. I happen to have dual citizenship. I'm very pro-Israel. I am all in favor of Bless Israelites and and humanitarian activities towards the Jewish people. And I'll tell you what, God's in favor and God's going to bless you for it. But I have to tell you, there is an urgency, as Michelle is telling you, and I am telling you, there is an urgency to proclaim the gospel to Jewish people right now. There is a window that God has opened And woe is me if we don't at this moment in history. But you must be mentored in moving in the supernatural. So what did we do? We put together the best of the best. It's called It's Supernatural Season 1 DVD box set. Ten DVDs, 50 of our best mentoring shows, our best TV shows uh, in high definition, 29 hours. Let me tell you, this is rich. Uh, I want you to get a set for yourself, and then it's Christmas, it's Hanukkah coming up. I want you to get a set for someone you want to give a gift to that you want God to use in a marvelous way uh, because it not only has the the best television shows, but then after our guests finish the TV shows, we have them do a special mentoring session. So we have these mentoring sessions in there, and everyone that orders, we are going to give, as the supply lasts, a bonus CD of Who Will Go. That's that CD that you heard, Michelle, uh, uh, just singing, Who Will Go?, uh, and i'm going and i i know this i know that those of you that uh this would re- a retail cost it would be $1000 we're charging only 99 and for the second uh set it'll be only $49 so you can give it as a gift i want you to consider increasing the amount why because this is the set time to favor Zion, there is an urgency, and it's the most phenomenal thing when Jewish people see the supernatural uh, in in uh, th- things like Buddhism and New Age. They flock, they run. Uh, Michelle, I was in Boca Raton, and they they have a uh, a uh, New Age. Buddhism center just for Jewish people there. And the G- I, I, I drove by, the, the place was filled with cars of Jewish people.
1: Yeshua would be crying.
0: But this, this is the set time. Um, I, I want you, I want everyone, I mean, you that are listening right now, I want you equipped to move in the supernatural. We're about ready to see the greatest miracles the world has ever seen. And I'm going to tell you one more thing. When you reach out to a Jewish person, look, when you you are pro-Israel, when you go to a Bless Israel rally, when you give money for Jewish humanitarian activities, you have already found out God will bless you. But how much more is God going to bless you When you give a Jewish person the most important thing they can have, Uh, Michelle, do you know about the increase in anti-Semitism that is going on throughout the world right now in Paris, France, and in Ukraine? Jewish people can't wait to get out and come to Israel.
1: My goodness. I'm, I'm praying, and I, you know, they say the greatest offense, the greatest way to offend a Jewish person is to not share about heaven and not share about Yeshua, that he's the way, the truth, and the life, you know? Everybody's so politically correct, it just breaks my heart. It breaks my heart that we would hold back on great news like that, that there's a better place.
0: Now, God is really expanding your gifting, and I believe that you could sing a song that God is going to give you right now with a word from god no music would you do that right now
1: amen be healed in the water of
2: god
1: be blessed be healed right now lord lord heal your people lord touch your people Father God, intimacy, intimacy, we need you, Lord. There's nothing greater than having you in our hearts. We need you, Lord, to come and fill us, revive us, use us, Lord. Oh, Father God, bless your people, Lord. Heal them, use them, use us, Lord God. Make us mighty vessels, Lord God. And I just feel somebody's out there. You need to be dipped in the waters of God. You've been like Naaman. You've been saying no. But God is saying yes. Dip yourself in the water of God. There is healing there. And you're going to be touched right now. Thank you, Lord, for healing that person listening. Thank you, Father God.
0: And, and I'm hearing that God is healing joints, whether it's your elbow or your hip. Any joint area, uh, fingers, the pain is gone. It's being removed in Jesus' name. Michelle, I I know that Yeshua is your life. Tell me about the time someone tried to assault you on a train in New York City.
1: I was on the F train in New York City at... uh... 4.13 in the afternoon, happened to be reading 2 Corinthians 4.13 about professing your faith in the Lord. Well, I had been doubting Yeshua once again. Was he really the Messiah? I needed to know. And I had been falling asleep reading my Bible, and I heard this voice say, wake up, wake up. And I kept waking up, and all of a sudden, I stood up from my seat and a man that looked like something like six foot three wrapped his arm around my neck and started to proceed to kill me. And my whole life flashed before my very eyes and the authority of the Lord that I had just received from reading that word came over me. It was amazing. The voice, I didn't even recognize the voice that came out of me as he was pinching against my neck. And it said, in the name of Jesus, back off. And the man completely Backed off. I was, a, you know, in, in, uh, in my 20s, I had a, a, I had a lot of um, expensive things on me. I was completely untouched. The man did not touch me. He completely let me go. I walked. My train happened to stop at that moment. You know, it had just gone through a tunnel. I could have been with the man a long time, but it just stopped. And it opened up, and he watched me walk off. And you know what? I was so filled with the faith of the Lord, I then turned around and proceeded to rebuke him in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. (laughs) I was so shaken up with praise. I I immediately fell down to the platform and started praising God. (laughs) That night, we uh, didn't cancel our Bible study. We told all the youth in our youth group about what the Lord had done, and their faith was increased. It was pretty awesome. Not only that, but... I saw God heal my relationship with my mom. I saw him heal her bipolar. He did a major miracle on her, and she's been an awesome mom to me, the most positive person in my life. Gosh, did I had a car accident. I spun around three times, hit a wall, came out saying hallelujah, praise the Lord, stood up, no pain. God's done so much for me. It's amazing.
0: Michelle, I want you to give us one last thought. What is God telling you to tell us right now
1: i feel the lord is telling us to uh actually you know i was reading your book recently and i'm not saying this to uh bring glory to anybody said but i'm with you 100 percent. i think it is time it is time for the body of messiah to receive and be blessed with the supernatural move of god We have to embrace it. It cannot be life as usual. It cannot be church as usual. We need the supernatural move of God. Even if you're not a jump up and down, scream kind of person, you can experience the supernatural in the peacefulness of your seat right now in your congregations, and we need to embrace those biblical feasts because we need to provoke the Jewish people to jealousy. It is time. For such a time as this, let's not waste any more time We need to get on board with the spirit of the living God. People are hungry. They're thirsty. Let us go into God's presence and let us move in the supernatural and draw close to Him and bring His people home to Him.
0: Now, I don't know if those listening can feel what I can feel right now, but there is an overwhelming presence of God in this studio. I I believe that as I proclaim the name of Yeshua, as I'm going to do in one moment. Whatever condition you have, put your hand. If you have a heart problem, put your hand on your heart. If you have a pain, put your hand like on your neck or wherever your pain is. Uh, if you have diabetes, whatever, put your hand on your body. And I, and then this is what the Bible says. Those who believe will lay hands on the sick. You believe. You're laying hands on the sick. And it says they will recover, so when I count to three, I'm going to say Yeshua, and you receive it one, two, three, Yeshua be whole in Yeshua's name. Be sure to get this very special it's supernatural season one dVD box set, ten dvds twenty nine hours, fifty high definition of our best television shows, the mentoring sessions, the the behind-the-scenes sessions there. You will be mentored step-by-step on how to move in the supernatural. And we have this available for a gift of $99. It would cost you $1,000 if you bought it in a store individually. And then the second set will be just $49. I want you to use this as a gift. And I have a special gift for everyone that that orders – Michelle Gold's CD, It's a Bonus, Who Will Go? To place a credit card order for today's offer, call anytime at 1-800-447-2697. That's 1-800-447-2697. Or log on to our website at www.sidroth.org. To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. Discover how you can begin watching for free. Our 24-hour, 7-day-a-week TV network, ISN, the It's Supernatural Network. You can write me at Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. That's Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.